Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know and have been around for centuries. You know, most Americans are not prepared for the golden years, let alone today. So no matter what financial status you're in, you can be prepared to enjoy your life and never run out of your money. Now, I've been contacting all kinds of amazing experts, and today I'm so honored to have Karen Simpson Hankins with me. She has been called a go-to mortgage and real estate expert in the media and a breath of fresh air by her clients. She's a 37-year veteran of the mortgage industry, author, coach, speaker, and she, on, in her career, she's been inspiring a change within the industry that is really beginning outside the industry. She's become the host of a weekly syndicated radio show called Surviving the Credit Crisis. Here she helps inform consumers on a variety of topics related to home buying and loan processes. Her goal is simple, to help buyers feel less overwhelmed and vulnerable by arming them with valuable information that saves them thousands over the life of their loan. Hankins is an accomplished author, and she now has a number one best-selling book called uh, Conquering Your Closing Inside Secrets for Today's Savvy Home Buyer. And I am just really excited, Karen, to have you here on our show, and welcome Hi, Chris. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You you know, I'm sure a lot of people want to pick your brain and find out about, you know, what is really going on. You know, a lot of people say that the housing industry will never be like it was, and, you know, the rules have changed. And, you know, consumers have always been led to believe that the banks control the process now more than ever. But it's imperative that consumers are in the driver's seat, and education is is the key. So, you know, I'm really, really, really excited to find out about what you have to say about all this, and and want to ask you, you know, some questions that might help our listeners. Great. Um, you know, there's a lot of mortgage mistakes, and and. Maybe you could share with everybody what the four biggest mortgage mistakes that most consumers make would be. Oh, sure. I'd love to talk about that. The number one biggest mortgage mistake that consumers tend to make that I've found over my 37-year career is the fact that they shop by interest rate alone. You know, it's crazy to me that people will go out and walk into their local bank where they have their checking and savings account and take the first loan that's offered to them, which is your, usually your 30-year fixed-rate loan, when this is one of the biggest purchases they're making in their lifetime. And they don't take the time to 
build a relationship with that particular mortgage person. They need to actually be in that driver's seat and interview mortgage people to find out if they're a good fit for them because the consumer is in control. There's nine critical questions that they need to ask their lender when interviewing them to find out if they're the right person for them. And it's kind of a proven fact that 80% of your success ratio when it comes to having a satisfying mortgage experience is working with the right lender. Wow. And, and how do you know who's the right lender? Well, with the, with the nine critical questions, it's a good way to figure that out. And, and we can get into the nine critical questions in here in just a minute, but I want to talk about the, the other mortgage mistakes first. Okay, so that was number one. All that right. was number one. Number two is not checking to see if a loan has a prepayment penalty. Now, a lot of your conforming loans these days do not have prepayment penalties, but it's still not something that you can just take for granted because I've seen a lot of the specialty products coming back now that our market's improving, and you don't want to get all the way to closing and then find out your loan has a prepayment penalty because what are you going to do then, start over? Right. Mistake number three is choosing the one-size-fits-all loan. You know, I've been a big advocate of the, over the last 37 years of custom-fitting the loan to the person's individual circumstances, and I call it the best-fit mortgage process. And there's a whole process that you need to go through as far as budgeting and, and looking into your individual circumstances as far as out-of-pocket cash, you know, how long you're going to live in the house, what your future plans are down the road that need to be a part of that process. And mistake number four is doing nothing because you think you don't qualify. Okay, yeah, that's definitely a mistake. So, insider's tips on how to get the best interest rate. Mm-hmm. That would be good to know about. Well, you know, the the best way to get the best interest rate is to be a knowledgeable consumer instead of leaving it up to the lender to determine when you lock in your interest rate and what interest rate you lock in at. You know, I'm a big advocate of making sure that you do your homework prior to ever applying for a mortgage, and that means pulling your own credit report and finding out what kind of information is on your credit report to make sure there's not any errors or mistakes because your credit score these days is, well, credit is credit score driven. And the lenders are requiring higher credit scores these days than they have in the past. And there's add-on pricing which impacts that credit report or that credit score or the actual interest rate that you actually get. And so you can literally pay thousands of dollars more over the life of the loan because you didn't take the time to fix your credit up front. Wow, that's a great tip to know about. Um, okay, well then maybe this this would bring us right into the nine critical questions you must ask your lender and and a mistake that could actually get your loan denied. Mm-hmm. Well, I think... You know, one of the biggest things of those nine critical questions, all of which are found in my book, Conquer Closing, Insider Secrets for Today's Savvy Home Buyer. But better yet, if you go to my website at KarenSimpsonHankins.com, I will give you the free ebook, Nine Critical Questions to Ask Your Lender um, Without Any Kind of a Purchase. So just go in, give me your name and email address, and you can get those nine critical questions for free. 
But the biggest one is knowing the difference between a pre-approval and a pre-qualify. They're not created equal. And what happens most of the time is a lender will crunch a few numbers, say, uh-huh, yeah, you look okay. And so people think they're pre-approved. And they go out searching for their dream home when, in fact, an underwriter has never looked at the file. And what can tend to happen is they go out, they find their dream home, they come back in, they start in the mortgage process, they order the appraisal, and then three days before closing, the whole thing falls apart because an underwriter has never looked at that file. With a pre-approval, you're getting a free, uh, uh, complete credit approval subject to a satisfactory property, and that's as good as money in the bank so that you're completely credit approved and the only thing left to do is just get the house appraised out and pass all inspections and you're done. Wow, cool. I even go a step further in having the lender custom fit your pre-approval letters to your to your offer. I mean, let's say, for example, you want to, uh, let's say you qualify for 300000 but you only want to offer 265 on a house. Right. If you have a pre-approval letter that's um, at 300000 then you give away all your bargaining power with the seller. So what I would do is I would custom fit my letter to the exact offer my borrower wants to make. And I would reissue it as many times as I needed back and forth in that negotiation process. Wow, that's these are smart tips. I wish I would have known about some of this. This is great. So well, it's amazing how it can really save you time, money, and stress if you know the right, right questions to ask. Right. That's exactly what most people are missing. They don't. It's so complicated that they don't. They just get in, like you said, overwhelmed. Well, and you know, and I think it's crazy that I mean, this is the biggest purchase that that people will make in their entire lifetime, and they're putting all that trust into the hands of a stranger. And I think it's so important that you need to build a relationship with that person, just like you would with your doctor or anybody else, you know, in a expert type situation. So that you know that the person that you're working with is the right fit for you. Right. And, you know, I guess a lot of people got, there's some bad loans out there that are, um, the paper's bad or it's, you know, written wrong. And that actually there's a way that, I don't know if you've heard this before, where you can actually get, for example, if you have one of those kinds of loans that really isn't right, you can actually get money back from that. Is that true? Well, I mean, there is some there is some stuff out there that's going on. I actually, with one of the two fail, too big to fail banks, recently got a check in the mail because they got fined twenty seven million dollars for doing something they weren't supposed to do, and they didn't disclose something properly. So the other day, I got a check for six hundred dollars in the mail unexpectedly, which was a part of their fine for something that they did. So there's all kinds of stuff out there going on right now, and that's. Another reason that I um, am a big advocate of using an independent mortgage broker, a lender that has several different sources of money and not just one like that of a bank or a credit union. I mean, I think it's important to stay away from the the too-big-to-fail banks because I don't think they have your best interest in mind. I agree. I agree with you on a lot of levels, yeah. So how do you eliminate the junk fees and negotiating closing costs? Well, by actually 
getting cost estimates from several different lenders so that you know what they're charging. I mean, there are several junk fees like dock preparation fees or wire fees or loan processing fees, but not all lenders charge them. Some do, some don't. And so it's just a matter of shopping and, and doing a line item by item comparison to see um, what you're, what they're what they're charging you and and there's a variety of different ways that you can set up a loan not only in, in out of pocket cash but in actually in closing costs as well so it just depends upon your own individual circumstances again which fits right for you I call it the best fit mortgage process right so when you you know you get credit in the new mortgage environment and 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 Let's just say you want to improve your credit score. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? What do you do? Well, there's a variety of things you can do. I mean, it kind of depends upon where you start, the starting point. If you just need to get more credit to improve your credit score, then I usually recommend people um, go out and get a small credit card, you know, even a couple hundred dollars, because it's not really about the amount of credit you have. It's about the... Um, revolving balances and that kind of a thing. So, so it's important that you you use credit so that you have two or three different sources that that, that lenders can check, so that that gives you a, a broader credit score. And then let's say you go out and charge twenty dollars or even fifty dollars and pay it off every single month, so you're building months of review. Hmm. Okay. Well, is it true, and I've heard this before, that if you cancel a credit card, that your credit goes down? Let's say, you know, you paid your bills, but you don't want that many credit cards, and you just cancel it. Is it true that that wrecks your credit? It, well, it may not wreck it, but it can impact your credit score based upon how much history you have. What I usually recommend to people is just go ahead and leave them open, but cut up the cards and don't utilize them anymore so that you've got more history. Even the ones that cost something every year, it's worth it just Well if you I wouldn't if it's gonna if it has an annual fee I'd probably get rid of it. But if it doesn't have an annual fee then I would go ahead and just keep the history open but just put up the card and not use it. Right. I do that a lot depending upon I have about three different companies that I use depending upon who's got zero percent interest and right. and so I'll have maybe one balance that I carry and I move it back and forth based on who's got zero percent interest. But the thing that people need to realize too, even with that, there's a there's a transfer fee and most of the time there'll be three or four percent. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the same as paying three per four or four percent a year on the credit card. They're just charging it to you in a transaction fee or a transfer fee instead of calling it interest. So it's really not 0%, but it's a lot better than 12 or 14. Right. So, you know, in, in when you get your pre-approved, you know, right, are you really approved or what's, or what's really going on with that? I've heard things about that too. Well, that's kind of what I was talking about a minute ago, the pre-qualify, pre, excuse me, pre-qualify, I'm tongue-tied today versus the pre-approval. A full credit approval is what you want. If you have a full credit approval subject to a satisfactory property, then then you're fully approved. Now, I've heard a lot of lenders in the refi market right now, people who are getting refinances, 
that they weren't doing full credit approvals unless they made formal loan applications. But, I mean, that's just crazy. People have the right to be full credit approved subject to a property, and if your lender's telling you that they won't do that, then you need to deal with another lender. Because there are a lot of lenders out there that will give you a full credit approval subject to finding a satisfactory property. Oh, boy, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people are just trying to survive the credit crisis. So where do you think we're going here, and do you really think that the changes in the housing industry are affecting all of us, whether you own a house or not? Where, where do you think this is going? Well, you know, I, I love to talk about that, and I tend, tend to get pretty opinionated on it, too. I think uh -huh. the housing market, as long as the federal government's involved in the housing market, we're going to continue to see change and change probably on a daily basis. There's some more huge changes coming out in January um, as part of the qualified mortgage rule that's going to make credit even more and more difficult to get. And it's going to be that much more important for consumers to be aware of what's going on and to polish up their credit and get their credit scores in optimal condition because credit's going to get tighter. And part of that new rule process they're going to make lenders more responsible for a borrower's ability to repay. And if their best on the line, then they're going to just tighten the underwriting requirements to make sure that their these mortgages fit within these guidelines so they don't come back to get them later. Another thing that's going to happen is um, a lot of your government products like FHA and VA and those kind of products are getting more and more expensive. So their popularity, I think, is going to be affected because they're not as user-friendly as they used to be because they're getting awfully expensive with upfront and mortgage insurance requirements. So I think there's going to be a huge amount of change. I also think that we haven't really learned our lesson because I'm seeing the subprime products and the specialty products coming back already. And so... They're out there again, so beware. Oh dear. Well, you know, I'm. You know, you hear a lot of things, especially in my business, where I, you know, hear a lot of money gurus saying that we are not done yet, and that they expect us to have a double dip, and um, they they're saying, and I'm an optimist, but I'm really also a realist, and you know, there's a lot of elements that are making everything very volatile. And they actually say that the real estate market is going to drop 30%. What do you think about that? Well, I don't think that the crunch is over yet, and I'll tell you why. I don't think that the, the average consumer really has a handle on their finances and on budgeting and that kind of thing. I, I Something I'm very sensitive about and is part of my mission in this whole surviving the credit crisis element is the fact that our young people are not getting the financial literacy education that they need. I have a daughter who's in high school. She'll be a junior this year. And we were talking to her counselor about her electives for this coming year. And one of them was a class for personal finance. And I said, well, gosh, Melissa, I think you should take that because you'll learn about checking accounts and savings accounts and interest and, and budgeting and all that kind of thing. And this counselor spoke up and said that that class had been dropped due to lack of interest. And my niece just graduated from a four-year state college with a bachelor's degree in journalism. And I asked her, I said, you know, now that you've got to pay your, your 
student loans back, you know, have you sat down and figured out what kind of income you need to make where you're comfortable? Or did you get any kind of personal finance classes in college to kind of help you figure all that stuff out? And she said no. And so, you know, we're, our young people are getting out there in the workforce with no financial education whatsoever. So it's a part of my mission to get in there and get our, um, with colleges or whatever I need to do get our young people more edu educated on how to budget and how to figure some of this stuff out, or it's just another cycle waiting to happen. Yeah, I, you know, I totally agree with you, and that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I'm, you know, I really put my business in my book, because I, I'm giving it away. I see mm -hmm. so many young people that are just in trouble. They're not taught. They're taught. Everybody's taught how to make money in school. They get out of school. And they have no idea what, where to store it, what to do. And they go to a financial planner they don't like or trust. And what do they do? They put them in Las Vegas, I mean Wall Street, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not taught all the, the goodies that are really out there that could really help them. So. Well, the thing I think about it, too, is that, you know, the, again, the two big-to-fail banks and the credit card companies hit them right at registration at college. Right. And so college kids are in there and they're using credit cards to buy pizza and things like that, not realizing how hard those suckers are to pay back. And so when they get out of college, they've got student loans, they've got credit card debt, and they're kind of already set up to fail right from the very beginning. And I'm hoping that I can help change that. Well, I, I, think, I, I think that's really, it's really time. It's really time. And for those of you that are just joining in, listening to us now, you're listening to our show, which is Ready, Set, Retire. And we're, Karen, I think this would be a great time to tell everybody how they can get a hold of your number one best-selling book and, and where to contact you. Well, the name of my book is Conquer Your Closing, Insider Secrets for Today's Tavi Homebuyer. It's available wherever books are sold. Um, it's um, online, Amazon, on my website at KarenSimpsonHankins.com. That's Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Simpson, S-I-M-P-S-O-N, Hankins, H-A-N-K-I-N-S.com. All right. So they can go over there and get a hold of your book and find out how to save a lot of money on closing these mortgages and credit. Well, and there's... There's lots of information about budgeting and about credit. I mean, just every every element with a financial gamut as far as budgeting, credit, improving your credit, finding the right house, shopping for the loan, shopping for a realtor, um, what kind of inspections you need. I mean, just everything about it. There's also a link to my radio show there as well. Great. Do you talk about um, credit and people in debt at all? You know, there's, there's some information in there about that, too, and how to improve your credit score and how to uh, get out of debt and how to kind of uh, departmentalize all of that so that you're getting your credit score at its optimum. Uh-huh. Great. And for those of you that are don't know who I am, I'm Chris Miller, and I'm the author of the book, number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement. And you can get a hold of that at my website, which is Ready for Pre-Tirement, R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-P-R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T.com. There's a free article there. You can uh, go ahead and 
download that, and it'll talk about the three secrets that your attorneys and brokers don't want you to know, and it'll really help you dial in how to protect your assets. Okay, so let's get back with Karen here and uh, talking about um, what uh, home inspections. Is that really something that you have to do when you're buying a house? I think so. I think that it's definitely in your best interest. It will save you thousands of dollars at potential expenses down the road. I mean, people don't stop and think about, you know, especially if they're buying an existing house, you know, about future roof expenses or water heater expenses or heat pump expenses. And they very very rarely budget for that kind of a thing. And I see people get in homes all the time and take every penny they've got and then they have no money for maintenance and repairs. So getting that home inspection is going to give you an idea of what kind of repairs you're going to need to budget for down the road. And I even highly recommend home inspections even on brand new construction. For for that very same reason, because, I mean, even when you're dealing with a builder, a lot of times they'll have subcontractors that are doing different elements of the house, and you never know when somebody's going to take a shortcut. And so that'll kind of help protect you against that as well. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So... Do you so? And this, this I've heard people talk about this. Uh, why should you always use a realtor, and what they know and what you don't know? Because a lot of people are like, I'm just going to sell my own house, or I can buy this house myself. And what do you think about that? Well, I'm a huge advocate of using a realtor for three primary reasons. One is they're out there in the market every single day. They know about zoning issues and drainage issues and a variety of things that you wouldn't think about as a consumer. I go into great deal great detail with that in my book about, you know, having a home buyer checklist so that you're looking at different houses, all the different things you need to look at, you just go through and check them off as you're looking at the homes because it's it's so hard to keep them straight if you're looking at a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And but with a realtor, you know, they're going to be able to know if a, if a neighborhood is improving or deteriorating. They're going to know uh, potential zoning issues, you know, if there's going to be a potential freeway coming in that's going to affect the livability element of a particular neighborhood. They also help you. I know here in Oregon, our typical sales agreements are 10 pages long, and then they have all the addendums and and um stuff that go along with that, inspections and that kind of thing. And they can really help with that paperwork and make sure that paperwork is filled out correctly and protect you against, you know, whatever could possibly happen in that element. But also just the um, the continuity of working back and forth with the seller's agent and just keeping things on track so you meet your closing date. I think that we work, I work well with realtors, especially realtors that that I've had relationships for more than 30 years. And it's my interest and it's their interest to protect the consumer, and that's what we get paid for. Right. So is there a perfect loan product for you? And, you know, you can talk about the perfect loan product or the valuation process. Well, you get back to the best fit mortgage process today, and I said every single situation is different. And... Going through those nine critical questions will help you line you up with a perfect mortgage person, but taking it a step further, you have to evaluate the loan as well. And 
And, you know, picking a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage may not be in your best interest. I mean, there's different down payment requirements. There's different closing cost um, options available. There's just a variety of things to look at that you custom fit that loan to your individual needs. You know, that's what gets so confusing is is the, all the options on the loans. Of a, should I mm-hmm. take a six? Should I take a 20-year or a 30-year or pay it off fast? I I had a, a mortgage broker on my show um, a couple years ago, and he was he was telling people, don't amortize. Keep your liquid, just pay your mortgage, but keep your liquid money out so that you have, you know, money to invest or money to live on. What do you think about that? Well, you know, people that get in with minimum down and that kind of thing are probably the ones that are struggling right now because they're upside down in their equity. So it depends upon the individual person's situation as to what I recommend. And part of that is is sitting down and going over their goals and that kind of thing to know how long they're going to live there. Um, You know, a lot of times with someone that, is working for a big company and they're moving up the corporate ladder and they may be in a particular area for two years and then they know they're going to be moving on. You know, looking at some of these fixed-period adjustable rate mortgages um, may be in their best interest where they've got a fixed payment for five years or seven years or ten years. You know, they've got the protection of a fixed rate, but yet they're probably going to be paying a lower fixed rate than that of a 30-year mortgage, which literally can save them thousands of dollars of interest, even in a five-year period. Hmm. Boy, there's so much to this. Um, well, and you know, and that's one of the things that, that blows me away so much, is there is so much to this, and there is so much to do this correctly. Right. And the majority of the people out there never get to experience that because they just walk down to their local bank and they take the first thing that comes along, not knowing that they've overpaid. Right. And it can have devastating ramifications that last the entire life of the loan. Hmm. Right. Exactly. Wow. So the step-by-step process of the perfect house hunt, what, 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 what's that about? Well, I just have a a check sheet in my book. Uh, there, there is an accompanying workbook, too, by the way, um, called Conquer Your Closing, the Companion Workbook, where all these forms that we've been talking about today are located, and you can also find that on my website or at Amazon.com. And these charts take you through the whole features checklist on a home. Um, you know, what kind of neighborhoods you're looking at, what kind of questions to ask, how old is the home, you know, does it have public transportation near, is it near churches, is it near schools, all the different things that you need to look for. Because I, what, you know, buying a home is a really emotional thing. And what people tend to do is they, they walk into a lender and and thinking that the lender is going to tell them what they can qualify for. But that's not really what happens. A lender tells you what the lender is willing to lend, but that doesn't mean that's what you can afford because there's no way that a lender is going to know what your personal spending habits are. And so you need to have a really good idea from a budget point of view of what payment you feel comfortable with because I've seen, I've seen people 
qualify for the absolute maximum loan that they can get, not realizing that there's going to be no money left over for funds. And it gets really old really fast if you have no extra money to do anything other than make house payments. Yeah, that gets old fast, right, definitely. And, you know, you talk about um, the risks of the one-size-fits-all loans. Mm-hmm. What, 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 do you, what do you mean by that? Well, that's kind of what I was talking about with a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, just walking down and taking the first loan they offer you. I mean, you need to look at down payment. You need to look at the different interest rates. You need to look at the different fee structures. I mean, there's just so much more to it by custom fitting a product to you. And that's another reason why I recommend using an independent mortgage broker because they're going to have a variety of sources of money and it's going to be easier for them to custom fit that to your own individual needs so that you you kind of have a one-stop shop rather than being limited to one one supply of money if you walk into your local bank. So by using an independent mortgage, then say someone that's listening to the show could reach out to you and actually find someone to work with? or Well, I usually recommend that there's a, a variety of ways to do it. The National Association of Mortgage Professionals, um, um, they have a link on their website where you can find a broker in your area. So those are all people that are licensed with them. That's a good way. But the best way to find an independent mortgage person, in my opinion, is just ask your family and friends for referrals. And then once you do have some referrals, then talk to them yourself and do your homework. Find out you know, if they have an NMLS number. Um, find out so that they're licensed and properly um, with with all the licensing agencies. Find out if they have um, references, if they give out references. I always have a list of references for my consumers as well as giving them all my licensing information. So that way you can check them out. And then if you ask them these nine critical questions, I guarantee you by the time you get done with these nine questions, you're going to have a really good idea if you feel comfortable working with this person or not. Would you? Can you highlight those nine questions again? For maybe well, I, <laughs> I I can give you some of them. I, we, we'd be here till next week to go through all oh, of them, but okay. um, just give us a couple of them. Uh, well, the, the the first one I told you was what what is their pre-approval process? Is it a pre-approval versus a pre-qualify? Do they custom fit? the uh, pre-approval letter to the individual offer that you want to make. That's important. Ask them how they follow the market. Are they just looking at a rate sheet or or do they have access to the secondary market and what's going on and, and how interest rates are changing and, and do they follow the 30-year bonds um, and the 25-day moving average? I mean, that's some of the questions. I also ask them if they work on commission. If they work on commission, oh, that's a huge one, and they don't like to talk about it. Ask them if they work on commission and how much commission they want to make. Um, one of the um, the things that's going on in the market today that makes it really difficult for consumers to shop is the good faith estimate. It used to be a one-page form, and then everything was itemized out. Well, now the typical good faith estimate is three pages long, and a lot of the lender's fees are all lumped in together into one box. 
so it's hard to find out you know how much they're actually making and how much uh, their junk fees are unless you know that you can ask those questions and have them give them to you independently on a line item basis. Right. Okay. Well, we have some little bit of time left. Is there something that I might have missed? This is such a big conversation. I don't know all the the special points that you might want to mention. Well, I think the most important thing to take away from all of this is just to to do your research and have the consumer become aware of you know, who it is they're actually dealing with and if they have their best interest in mind. There's all different levels of experience out there, and by asking for references and referrals, you're going to get a good idea you know, if that person's looking out for your best interest or if they're just looking out for their own bottom line. Um, these nine critical questions that we were talking about will help you there. Um, part of that whole process begins with, with not only you taking responsibility as a consumer for your credit in your own individual circumstances, but also, you know, Finding out what you what you need to do as far as budgeting, I recommend that people sit down for three or four months and document all of their costs because I can guarantee you that people have no idea what they spend each month, and the majority of people out there live from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck without much thought going into you know how much they're saving to whether or not they're paying themselves first or saving for the future or for expenses, maintenance on their homes, that kind of thing. Um, I know for myself, I sat down and did a budget just here, I don't know, a month or so ago, because we all get in a habit of our spending, and, and I was absolutely amazed at how much I was spending on junk. That <laughs> When I kind of cleaned it up a little bit, it was almost like Christmas, like I got a raise or something. I had all this newfound money, and I didn't know what to do with it. Wow. You mean just like just stuff you don't need, right? Well, yeah, just junk, you know, coffees and lunch out and right. and fast okay. food and all kinds of things that were just silly that yeah. you don't ever think about. And and I know that, I mean, I can't be the only one person out there that does this. I, I, I've, I've seen, well, I've done over 5,000 loans in my career, and I know that out of those 5,000 loans, that the majority of the people out there live from paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Well, this has really been great, Karen. This is a lot of really good information, and I think everybody needs to get your book to get the nine critical questions and to find out exactly how to conquer the closing and get the better price and, you know, make their money last them and all those good things. Well, I think it will save them a lot of time, money, and stress. But again, that nine critical questions ebook is for free on the website. So all you have to do is put in your name and email address. I also have a newsletter that I send out um, weekly, and all there there will be some new freebie stuff coming out on that as well in connection with my radio show. So there's a lot going on there, and there's new information coming out all the time. I've got some new products coming out in addition to the books. I have another book that's coming out in the next couple of weeks that will be available. And then I'm in the process of doing some um, educational web webinars that you'll be able to download and have access to as well. 
That's great. So everybody sign up and get the free nine critical questions on your site, right? Right, and then if they get on the mailing list, then they'll, as soon as that other stuff comes out, which there's a lot of stuff coming over out in the next couple of months, then they'll already be on the mailing list. Great. All right. Was there any cherry on the top or any final note you want to share with everybody? Well, I just mainly I just want to say that part of the reason for my mission is the fact that I've seen the housing industry as we know it be greatly affected. And, and you know, there has been a lot of struggles out there with, with people. And, you know, one of the things that I saw is, that, again, the two big to fail banks taking advantage of the consumer and the consumer really not understanding how and why and where all this happened. And I talk about that a lot in my book. But um, and how important it is for consumers and our young people just to become educated and take back their control of this whole thing instead of leaving it to them. Um, I just kind of got fed up with the way consumers were being treated and I wanted to make a difference. And as well, and for my kids too. I mean, I have two teenagers, and they're going to be not very long. They're going to be out there in the, the world as an adult, and I want them to have a housing market to be able to participate in too. And if some changes aren't made, you know, our housing industry is is at great risk. Right. Exactly. Well, that's great, and and really appreciate all of your information. It's critically important for everybody, and. Um, Again, everybody go to um, Karen Simpson Hankins' website. And for those of you that want to reach out to me, you can send me an email at Chris, K-R-I-S, at Ready for Pre-Tarmit. And I'll be happy to share all the good things that we're talking about for safe money and a fabulous future. So, well, I want, Excuse me. I wanted to say, too, if you don't mind, that if people have questions, I mean, they can email me there, or we can talk about it on a radio show, whatever they want. Um, I, I, I welcome emails all the time, so if you have a question, feel free to reach out to me. Good, good. That's really good that they can have somebody to ask questions to. And and so tell them again what your email is. Well, they they can there's a contact page on my website at KarenSimpsonHankins.com, and that's the easiest way to get a hold of me because it. it gets to me right away that way. Yeah. You know, I, there's quite a few people that ha- are on this mission to educate. I'm doing the same thing, and maybe we all should just get together because we want to, we want to teach kids about planning and financial, all these credits and everything that they need mm-hmm. to know. It's so important, and I, I could see that we'll, ha- we'll, have, we'll have our own university here with all of these new cutting-edge people that really are caring, wanting to give back and help people learn about these things. We're also creating a program called Pre-Tirement Mastery where people can go online and learn about living trusts and long-term care and annuities and things you don't really hear a lot about but that are really critically important for retirement. And well, I think financial literacy is huge. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's really been great having you on the show, and and we'll look forward to talking to you again. All right. Thank you so much. I had a blast. All right, Karen. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. See you later.
out you can't take a curve at 85 My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions raced across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? From that moment I became a brand new me With the golden ticket to a better destiny And I told my heart there'll never come a day When I'd have to search inside of me and say Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? I hope I can be a voice of inspiration And my story finds you well Cause when the curtain falls There ain't no second chances And you don't wanna ask yourself Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone? Did I give everything I had to give? Did I save any souls? Was I worried about my own? Was I haunted by the things I never did? Did I embrace each day with faith, hope, and laughter? Did I matter? Did I matter? Oh, oh, oh. Did I matter?